Three, two, one. Welcome to the David the Dog Trainer podcast episode. Are we on 70? 69. 69. A fitting number <laughs> episode. <laughs> All right, guys. So we got a, uh, we've got a juicy episode for you guys today. So everybody seems to like when we get into the, the dog training soap opera stuff. You know, everybody likes a little tea. Everybody likes a little bit of drama, this, that. Sure right? do. So I, myself, per norm, I mean, listen, like, I think it's just kind of me at this point. I get myself wrapped up into some drama sometimes, right? So <laughs> we had... Uh, for we, all the right reasons. For all the say. right reasons. Listen, I don't, think, I don't think I'm doing anything that's, like, intentionally creating a ton of drama, but no. I will say that the drama does find me from time to time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I am not one to shy away from the drama, right? No. So... Um, <laughs> For those of you guys who remember, uh, we did a podcast almost, it was a year, it was literally a year ago. I mean, it was probably almost a year ago today. Yeah. It's like episode 36 or something like that, yeah. right? Where we did a quick segment at the beginning of the episode discussing a trainer by the name of Larry Crone, right? For all intensive purposes, I think that it was a it was a critical segment where I, I took to some issues that I had with some of the messages he has been sending out to people and to dog trainers and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think I paid some tribute to, you know, respecting him as a trainer, you know, saying a couple times he did a good job, this, that. <clears throat> we're we're going to get back into that episode here, so I won't get too much into it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's just a, a critical judgment of some things that I think he's doing, right, that I don't really agree with, that I think are, are kind of hurting the industry a little bit, more or less. Right? Yeah. So, Larry, a lot of my issues have come from his messaging and his kind of, like, uh, talking down about a lot of other people and kind of having a little bit of a... Uh, you know, at this point, a little bit of kind of like a holier than thou mentality to dog training, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Larry made a post a couple of days ago. What day was it? May fourth. May the fourth be with you. Oh yes. He made a post on May fourth that really frustrated me a little bit and really frustrated a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. So he made a post. I got to pull it up here. I wasn't prepared on that end of things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Hang on. Give me a minute. All right. So Larry made a post saying, Last week, someone was looking for dog training in Nashville. They stated they'd prefer to stay not just in Nashville, but as close as possible to their neighborhood. Someone recommended me. I denied, but didn't give real details why. Here's the thing. I already know that someone looking for convenience, staying as close to their home as possible, over quality, is not someone I would ever allow into my world. I'd be doing a disservice to myself and their dog. They don't want what's best. They want what's easiest. And that's most likely why they have aggression issues. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. Come on. (laughs) So, So basically, in a nutshell... He's saying that because these people stated they want a trainer that lives close to them, mm-hmm. he's not going to work with them because they're not a good person that's going to put in the work, yeah. right? I Listen, I, I take problem to that, right? We have a lot of clients that reach out to us all the time, all the time, right, that say things like, hey, I'm looking for in-home lessons, right? Hey, I'm looking to do dog training, but I'd really prefer not to use the e-collar. Hey, I'm doing dog training, but um, you're pretty far from me. Or, or any sort of like whatever. You want to call it excuse or call it them looking for the convenience of them and things, mm-hmm. right? We see that all the time, right? That does not mean that that person is on, an uncommitted owner, mm-hmm. right? Nine out of ten times 
in those types of situations, they need a little bit of educating as far as why we typically don't need to do in-home lessons, right? We do... Um, we do a lot of educating as far as why the e-collar is going to be the best tool for them. We do a lot of educating based on why we do certain things the way that we do them, mm -hmm. right? To help them understand why doing it our way is going to be the way to do it in the first place, right? Yeah. And at that point, there are definitely some people that they're like, no, you know, I'd really prefer somebody to do it in the house or this or that. And yeah, mm -hmm. at that point, well, we don't offer that. We can't help you, right? But yeah. you, in my opinion, you can't make a judgment call like that right off the bat. Right. You just you just can't. Right. Because our no. job as trainers is to educate people on this kind of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So I don't usually do this, but I commented on it. Right. And all I said. All I said is this is incredibly judgmental. That's it. Right. Wait. Oh, this is hilarious. OK, <laughs> we're getting even more tea in real time here. Right. Now, <laughs> right. Oh, no. So first off, <clears throat> at the point of filming right now. 50 people liked my comment, mm -hmm. right? So, like, I'm not the only one that was thinking this. Now, Larry and I continued to have a dialogue in the comment section under that that is no longer there, meaning it was deleted. Oh. Right? So, whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also went through, and I think, I think at the time when I read it, 41 people commented on it, criticizing him about this post, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not the only one that was thinking this way, right? So yeah. whatever, no big deal. We had this little back and forth why I thought it was judgmental, you know? Uh, basically saying, I think he said, you know, well, this comes from my experience, and in my experience, this is always the case. And I basically said, you know, in a nutshell, I could probably raise your amount of times that you've been correct to amount of times that it's incorrect and that mm. the people actually wind up being good. And I further said, you know, people are looking for convenience, right? That's why they hire really good trainers like you and myself. Yeah. That's what I told them, right? Like, or else they would truly look for just the cheapest, closest option to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody's going to want one of those things. Everybody wants somebody that's close to us. Everybody wants somebody that's going to be cheaper. Right. Yeah. And if they think that they can get the job done with something that's going to cost them less and be more convenient for them. And mm -hmm. somebody's telling them that that's the case. Of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, of 100%. course they're going to go with that. Yeah. That's why it's our job to educate, right? Mm -hmm. So, whatever. So, didn't think anything about it, you know. Again, I, I figured it was just a, a, a basic disagreement. So, Larry hops on, and he does a live then, later in the day, right? Where's my mouse here? So, he does this live entitled, Sensitive People <laughs> and Uncommitted Dog Owners, right? Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Again, at the time of filming, right, there were over 40 people, over 50 people, right, including the people that were liking my posts and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of people thought he was incorrect about this, Yeah. right? So he hopped on this live, and he picked three comments to basically start just kind of going off on, yeah. right? Myself being one of them. Yeah, of course. So we're going to listen to the segment here that he made. <laughs> uh, uh, talking about me on it. Okay. We're going to discuss it a little bit. I'm going to see if there's any replies that I have to go back to it, right? We're going to listen to the podcast episode that I did about him or some of the podcast episode I did about him, discuss the points, see if, you know, he's accurate in saying that I cherry-picked and mis mis uh, mis uh, represented Rich him represented, and yeah. stuff like that. I also want to say that Larry and I, after all of this exchange happened via the live and stuff, had DM'd with each other back and forth a handful of times, and I practically begged him to come on the podcast and talk about this with me, right? If I misrepresented you, 
please educate us on how I did so, mm-hmm. right? Because you could tell he was pretty frustrated by it, right? Mm-hmm. Larry declined, and then he stopped replying back to me after that. So that is why we're doing this episode right now. <laughs> so let's listen. Um, David Turpak, I believe. He made a comment that said, uh, that's very, what did he say? Very ju- judgmental of me. It's not. It's not judgmental at all. It's a fact. I'm going to explain to you why. First of all, I think it's very hypocritical for you to say that, David, since you've actually made a video discussing me, right? Which I never commented on. Wasn't the worst thing. I wasn't offended. But you put out a YouTube video discussing how I've gone so far to the other side, like purely positive side, and I'm anti-punishment. We didn't, we didn't say it was anti-punishment. We'll get back to what we actually did say about it. You put my name in the title, and I'm judgmental? Now, someone sent that to me, and I didn't take offense to it. I actually watched it, and I listened, and I was going to respond to it because what you said was very inaccurate. You cherry-picked a lot of things, and I don't think you did it on purpose or to be malicious. I really don't. And I was going to explain to you why you're wrong and give you examples, right? But whenever you put someone's name in a title, it's for a reason. Yeah, clickbait. We said it in the video. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. And I was going to have a decent conversation with you. But then I think in that same video, you, I, I, and I could be wrong, but I think you said you were a Jeff Gelman fan. So as soon as you said that, I knew, I knew it wasn't worth my time, right? It didn't make sense. Because anyone who claims to care about the well-being of these animals and could say you're a Jeff Gelman fan, either you're completely ignorant to what that guy does, or you just don't care and you're along the same lines. So- oh, man. We just get into like this whole like comparing people to people that they speak with or associate with and stuff like that. And listen, this is yeah. a societal issue at this point, I think, yeah. right? Past just like a Larry issue or a David issue or a yeah. Jeff issue or this or that. But listen, like we had an hour and a half long conversation with Jeff Gellman last week, mm-hmm. right? The guy has knowledge to provide to people, right? As far as the whole like saying you're a fan of this person or this yeah. person, that's no different than I said that I liked Larry Crone. Right. I say that I like Jeff Gelman. I say that I like uh, Sean O'Shea, I like Tyler Muda, I like Brandon Fouché. Like we've talked about all of these different trainers that I like. But yeah. here's the thing. Right. Just because you like somebody. Right. Or like certain things that somebody may preach does not mean that you agree with everything that they do. No. You know what I mean? <coughs> I We've talked about this before. Like, I even said it to Jeff, like, when we were discussing the bonker, like, on his podcast show, right? Like, and I used, um, I used Gary as an example because I've only ever seen Gary train dogs in person, right? I've never yeah. actually seen Jeff Gelman train dogs in person, so yeah. I don't have anything to go off of as far as that's concerned, right? As far as the full context of situations, yeah. obviously. But I discussed in his case, right, in, in Gary's case, him using the bonker with some little dog at his seminar that it was, like, way too extreme of an aversive, right? Like, yeah. it was unnecessary in my opinion, yeah. right? I wouldn't have done it that way, this, that, right? So, so... Whatever. You know, you want to make a call that, like, because I associate myself with a person, I'm, I'm a horrible human being or something like that. That's fine. But here's my other problem with this. And this is where you get into to forget Larry for a minute. Just in general, the dog community and the force free community and a lot of the people that like to scream like abuse, 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 abuse mm-hmm. towards any time somebody's applying corrections or punishment or this or that and they think it's too much. Right. Mm-hmm. 
there's laws against the animal abuse guys, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody as well known as Jeff Gelman is truly out here just abusing dogs, why is he not in jail? Exactly. I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't get it. So, like, unless there are, like, actual, like, records against him showing that's what he's done, and at this point, he's had enough people out to get him, and I'm sure enough people sneak into his seminars to try to catch him on things and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Again, I may not agree with everything he does, and I may not agree with how much force he jumps into right off the bat in certain situations and stuff like that, but it's not for me to judge. Yeah. So whatever. So so that quick, quick reply on that part right oh, there. I still didn't make a comment. I didn't say anything negative. That's your stuff, so I stay off of it. I try to be respectful of people's stuff. And again, I wasn't angry by it. So today I was going to have another conversation with you and someone that's actually worked with me after they worked with you, sent me a couple of the age old, somebody that worked with me after they worked with you thing. Okay. Listen, guys, we work. This is something that I think a lot of the, a lot of the dog trainers that are in like some sort of elevated social status, you know, in YouTube world, Facebook world, Instagram world. Listen, I'm not claiming to have the kind of following that Larry has. Larry's got a way, way bigger following than me and, and good on him for it, obviously. Right. But I do have enough of a following where I've had a lot of different people that I would refer to as either. Right. One, dog trainers that just like to travel around and work with all sorts of different dog trainers to learn as much as possible, which I've done before, Mm -hmm. right? Or dog owners that I refer to as like the very, very dedicated borderline like wannabe a dog trainer Mm -hmm. owners that are kind of trainer hoppers also that follow the latest trends and bounce from person to person is astounding. And I will never be offended by that. If, if, if a trainer comes to me and wants to learn some pieces and parts from me and doesn't like other things and then goes to another trainer and wants to learn some pieces and parts from that person and takes what they like and take what they don't like, that's what I did. That's what I recommend that trainers do, obviously, right? That's how I created my training program is I sought out people like Jeff and Sean and Tyler and Brandon yeah. and Larry and all these other guys who have totally different styles, right? Mm-hmm. And I would experiment with their style for a little bit and I would figure out what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. Then I'd yeah. move on to the next one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right. And then from the owner standpoint, right? Again, if the a lot of these owners that kind of err on the side of like they want to be trainers, I recommend they do the same thing as well because if you want to pursue this industry, that's something that you're inevitably going to do. Mm. And the ones that don't, that are truly just the trainer hoppers, right? Like, you know, there's downsides to that, obviously, right? Not committing to a specific program and bouncing from person to person. We see it all the time and especially in the seminar world. You know what I mean? When you get into a lot of these people that do seminars, and there's some people in Cleveland that I could think of in particular that are kind of like this, that every time a new seminar comes into town, they hop on that seminar and they try to do that for like two months mm-hmm. and then they jump onto the next newest trend and try to do that for a few months and jump onto the next trend and try to do that for a few months. And the problem is when you start making this argument that like, well, it, it, you know, and, and they're all ways to elevate your position a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So by throwing in there, well, this person worked with you mm-hmm. and then worked with me, it's immediately kind of this like little jab at like, well, I'm doing something better than you, as opposed to understanding there's just people like that that exist, and that person will probably move on to somebody else as well in six months. Yeah. So whatever. Continuing on here. Videos that you've done. 
And they just said, listen, I know both of you guys. This is why you'll never see eye to eye. And he sent me a few videos and it made sense to me. Yes, we are light years different when it comes to training. And I didn't know that. I thought we were more like-minded, but we are not in the same universe when it comes to our way of thinking about dog training, right? Which is fine. That's totally fine. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. everybody has their own style on things. Everybody does things for different reasons, <clears throat> right? Yeah. My problem is when you get into vilifying for that, right? Mm -hmm. Let's take Larry and Jeff. Jeff is like Larry's arch nemesis. Like, like Larry cannot get angry when he thinks about Jeff Gilman, right? And he talks <laughs> yeah. shit on him all the time and this and that. Mm -hmm. And listen, I understand. I do get it, right? And, and I, I'm not saying that's bad, right? But the problem is they're doing things for different reasons, right? This is yeah. a part of the reason why we had Jeff on the show last week was discuss this kind of stuff. Yeah. Jeff has a very owner-centric dog training mind, right? Mm -hmm. Larry has a very dog-centric dog mind, right? Mm -hmm. Neither mentalities are incorrect, in my opinion, and both mentalities have their problems, in my <clears throat> opinion, Yeah. right? In Jeff's case, because he's owner-centric, it's going to cause him to have almost zero emotional attachment to what he's doing with the dogs, right? Mm -hmm. Which can cause him to be way too firm in situations that he doesn't need to and can cause him to not look at the bigger picture sometimes as far as the long-term impact of creating an overall better state of mind for the dog, right? Mm. In Larry's case, when you have a very dog-centric state of mind, it doesn't allow you, in my opinion, it does not allow you to see into what does the situation and the owner need to be successful, mm -hmm. right? So what I mean by that is we've talked about in the past how I train my <clears throat> personal dogs, right? I come from a background of competitive dog training. I really like motivated dogs. I... You more so before when I was first getting into dog training, I used to really, really love training with my dogs and spending a lot of time with training them and stuff like that, right? So I was going to do things in a way that's like what you would picture to be the perfect way of training a dog. And this is why Larry, he said, you know, he thought we were more like-minded with things because we've had interactions in the past before, you know? It's not like he has no idea who I am and I have no idea who he is or anything like that, right? He's actually referred clients to me in the past, right? But a lot of that probably was coming from watching videos of me working with my dogs, right? And I take a very similar approach to how he likely works with his dogs as far as a very reward-based system, using a lot of play, using a lot of toys and stuff like that, and creating motivated happy dogs, mm -hmm. right? Where I started seeing that fall apart with my clients is as I started working with more people, and we're going to get into this more as he continues talking because there's a couple follow-up points with things, right? But not every client, getting back to the issue with the more uh, dog-centric state of mind, not every client wants to live that life with their dogs. And to some people, to some trainers, that's a sign that they don't want to work with them, which is fine. Again, I have no problem with selecting your clients based on certain things. I have an issue with doing it before you talk to them. But if you have a conversation with somebody and they seem like they're looking for a little too much convenience and that's mm -hmm. not the route you want to go with things, that's totally okay to make that call then at that point, mm -hmm. right? My problem with the original post was simply that a lot of those people, you give a little bit of information as far as the way you do things, why you do it, and how it can help them, and they'll immediately switch to doing whatever it is that you want to tell them, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> the problem is you start getting into people that don't want to have that kind of relationship with their dog, right? Mm -hmm. 
I think they still deserve to have a well-behaved dog because I think looking at bigger picture, the more macro of situations, if I can get these people to have a well-behaved dog, even if it's at the expense of being a little bit more firm on the dog than I would like to be on the dog, that's going to keep that dog in that house. That's going to keep that dog from getting returned to the shelter, decreasing their chances of getting homed out to somebody else and potentially decrease the chances of that dog getting put down. Mm-hmm. Right. And listen, I'm not here saying like we have to train this way all the time forever and ever because these dogs are going to die if we don't <clears> do it. Cause I don't yeah. think that's the case either. But if you get too far in the dog side of things, you make things too complicated for the owner to be successful with. And in some cases, not all cases, that will result in them losing motivation to do the things that you're telling them to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Would you say it's, um, he'd be more people that are more dog centric or more inclined to say, you know, things like, Oh, well the owner didn't care enough or they didn't want to work with the dog enough. Like it's, it's, it's their fault, not the dog kind of thing. Yeah. I think, I think you put a little bit more blame on the dog at that point. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and this gets, you know, again, I think Larry's going to one extreme of things, obviously Mm -hmm. you can get to the further extreme and that's where you really get into the force free camp of Mm -hmm. nothing is ever the dog's fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's always the human's fault, which I'm not at all saying is what Larry. Yeah. No, no, no. Right. Um, but yes, I, it, it, the further you get in that direction, That's how it goes, yeah. the further it gets to that side of the conversation. Yeah. Right. Which I just, I, that's not the way I live with my dogs, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be able to help and impact as many people as possible, yeah. meaning there's going to be people I work with that are much less committed than others, which mm-hmm. means I need to make that program more simple for them. For sure. Right. So moving on. So for example, in each of the videos, a couple of them were with a Corso and it's, it's like nothing like really bad or nothing, but which I do appreciate him saying, right? Like I do appreciate he didn't go to the extreme of like, Oh, like your videos are abusive, you know, or, or anything like that, you know, cause I, and I, I almost know to a T which ones he's talking about, which we'll discuss in a minute here. You filmed them, Josh. So he's talking about your work now. Oh, dang. You're putting an e-collar on a dog day one and gave more corrections that really didn't make sense to the dog in one day than I use in a month. So then you get to that side of the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's the next argument here is that his problem with the way that I'm training is that in some cases we use e-collar day one, right? Mm -hmm. And he perceived the corrections I was giving to the dog to be in quotes, right? More corrections than he gives to a dog in a month. Yeah. Right. This gets into a whole nother conversation here right now. Yeah. Right. So first thing, e-collar on day one. Um, I can understand people's concern with that. I think that the dog industry as a whole is pretty split down the middle as far as, you know, do we use e-collar day one? Do we not use e-collar day one? This, that. Mm-hmm. And I can understand why some people would want to not do that. I do get that, right? And again, I don't think he's vilifying me for this by any means, right? I think, like he said, that he's just kind of further pointing out how differently we do train at times, Mm -hmm. right? My issue is with any type of tool we're going to be using, right? The purpose of implementing a tool right away is to give an owner immediate relief of a situation, Mm -hmm. right? Could I tell owners we're going to spend the next four weeks doing positive reinforcement training, right? And I'll show you how to manage the dog a little bit better, but all these issues are still probably going to be present for a little bit. Yes. And do I do that sometimes? Absolutely. Depending on the situation I'm working with, depending on the severity of the situation that I'm working with. Yeah. Right? Completely. Right? I have no qualms with with that side of the argument, and we could discuss the pros and cons of both, obviously. Right? Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> the problem gets into I gave more corrections or you gave more corrections in one day than I did in a month, right? Yeah. And this goes to some of my original concerns about some of the things he said in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So so first off, I think that's incorrect, right? Yeah. I think that's incorrect because we have to define what our corrections are, right? Mm -hmm. We have to define are we teaching something? We have to define, are we conditioning the e-collar in? And this just gets to the conversation he's been having a lot lately of this like low-level e-collar training versus not low-level e-collar training, right? Mm -hmm. If I am going to use an e-collar with a dog, right, the only way that e-collar sensation is going to work, whether I'm using negative reinforcement or whether I'm using positive punishment with it, is if the dog cares about the sensation that I'm providing, mm -hmm. right? So I tend to, even in my negative reinforcement stages of things where I'm teaching something, right, I tend to use the e-collar slightly higher than what trainers like Larry will use, right? Mm -hmm. Which again, right, wrong, we're not here to discuss low-level e-collar training versus not low-level e-collar training, right? Yeah. But in Larry's conditioning process of his commands, and we'll have to do one day, I have his book downstairs. I do want, I actually wanted to review the book, not in a, a, a bad way or anything like that, just because we like reviewing dog training content, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in his book, I believe the first stage of his e-collar conditioning process is you prompt with e-collar with every single command that you give. Mm. Every single command that you give, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning if you take your dog out for a 10-minute session and you work 50 cum commands, you're going to be using the e-collar 50 times in that one 10-minute long session. Yeah. Right? I know this is how he trains because he has a book on it. Mm. Right. So I'm not making judgment calls here or anything like that. Right. Mm. So the, the real key point here is, does he call that a correction or does he call that not correction? Yeah. It's just the terminology, because guess what? I guarantee in a month he's using the e-collar more than the amount of times I did in one day with the dog. The difference may be what level it's at. Mm -hmm. which again is a separate conversation we could have. But that side of things is kind of misrepresenting me also because I'm just conditioning the e-collar in. I'm just a believer that the dog needs to feel and care about the sensation in order for the conditioning process to work. Yeah. Right? So we are using the You know, and again, this is the semantics yeah. conversation of what I said in the first podcast episode that we did, mm -hmm. right, which we're going to get to in a minute here, which is I think we're doing this. We're kind of doing the same shit. Yeah. Right. More or less. Right. There's obviously differences between us. Right. There's yeah. obviously big differences between us as far as the state of mind of things. But we're still using the e-collar. And this is what did Jeff say in the podcast we did? Some people yeah. just want to be the nice e-collar trainer. <laughs> yeah. Right. We're still <laughs> using the fucking e-collar. Yeah. Right. And you're still using the e-collar a lot of times. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So moving on. Oh, yes. You're right. If you think that I've gone to the dark side because I don't do that. Well, then I must be on the dark side. Again, that's your way of training. I still didn't go on there and make any negative comments, right? But I promise you this. I do think eventually you'll look back when you get with the right people. This is the next side of things, right? The next side of things <clears throat> is let's now, because we're in a position of authority here, let's now look down and talk down on the younger trainer and say, one day, one day, when you get around <laughs> trainers like me, uh, yeah. you'll get it. <laughs> and you'll understand more. You'll understand more, right? And I'm not here, I'm not going to go on and, and bash you because I, I think you're probably a good guy. 
and I don't think you have any malintent towards the animals, but yes, we train very, very different, like not even in the same spectrum. So I understand more now why you think I'm like siding with the purely positive people, which is silly. We also didn't say that. We'll get to that in a second. And how you being a Jeff Gelman fan has influenced you. I told Okay, so let's just let's just also zoom back for a minute here, right? And talk about my background a little bit with things. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the the whole Jeff he's really he's really riding hard on this Jeff Gelman thing. You're a <laughs> Jeff Gelman <clears throat> fan, which has caused you to be the trainer that you are right now, mm-hmm. right? Is more or less what he's saying. Right. How you being a Jeff Gellman fan has influenced you to not take anything out of quotations, I believe is what he said. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually started opposite of what most people started at in this industry. And this is why I think that I have a pretty good upper hand on stuff. Right. Yeah. I started pretty much where Larry is at with things, where we were a heavily reward based program. Right. Mm-hmm. I learned from some of the best of the best as far as how to implement rewards and punishments in a fair way to keep your dog super motivated and create a phenomenal product. Right. Mm-hmm. And I made a great name for myself for a little while because I posted a lot of phenomenal videos of dogs looking super motivated. Mm-hmm. Right. The problem is, especially in the quantity of dogs that we work with, we have a facility. Larry does not. We work with a lot more dogs than Larry does. And I don't say that as far as like we're better than him because we're working with more dogs. I just say we see a lot more scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. And we work with more of your average owner as opposed to because of the name Larry's made for himself at this point. He's working with like the primo clients, which Mm -hmm. is great. Listen, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got some. You could hand select your clients all day long. You could pick the best of the best as mm-hmm. far as your clients are concerned to yeah. make sure that you could train dogs the way that you want to train dogs, which mm-hmm. I really do think is awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? I am interested in helping as many people as possible, mm-hmm. right? I'm interested in helping as many dogs as possible by keeping dogs out of shelters, by helping solve people's problems that they're having in the house, which means I got to work with everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, there are people that I'll turn down in extreme situations. Right. But for the most part, if somebody wants help, I think I could find a way to motivate them to help themselves as well as their dog. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a difference in in the way we look at things. And I don't think one is right or wrong at all. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Where was I going with this? OK, so started in the competitive world, learned from the best of the best. I surrounded myself with the people he's talking about. Some of the names he talks about when he talks about like best of the best people are people I learned from. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Talk about maybe not directly, but through videos, through content, through studying their work, stuff like that. Ivan Balabanov, Michael Ellis, right? He, I don't know if he still is. I haven't heard him bring the name up in a while. Tyler Mudo, right? Like all of those guys, like those were the guys I surrounded myself with and mm-hmm. learned as much as I could right Mm -hmm. Uh, and for the longest time i actually talked down about people like jeff gelman and sean and stuff like that and we've had numerous podcasts we've discussed where i've had issues with things they've done i thought that the new generation of trainers that they kind of unintentionally brought up through their t3 series um they were bringing up in the wrong way those trainers didn't have the proper education on learning theory they didn't have the proper education on how beneficial rewards were uh they were coming into things because it was an easy way to make money um there's a a ton of issues i had with that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. right 
as I started training dogs more and I started working with all types of owners, I started understanding why they were doing things the way they do them. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, this does not change my opinions on the things we just discussed and some of the issues that I've had with them, Mm -hmm. but I understand the human centric mind and I understand the let's make things easier for the owner Mm -hmm. to make them more successful with the dog. And I've strived really, 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 really hard over the course of my almost 10 years doing this now at this point to find a balance between that. And you could find videos on my YouTube channel, my Facebook, my Instagram, this, that of dogs looking quote unquote, probably pretty shut down and like the dogs in Jeff Gellman's videos and stuff like that. Right. But you also can find an equal amount of dogs looking unbelievably motivated, happy to work and uh, eager to, to be the best self that they can. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the difference is I look at the situation and I try to gauge which one can I do for the situation. Mm -hmm. And listen, I don't do the best job of it. I understand, but I try to highlight to my staff and my trainers as best as possible to always look at how can we make things as easy as possible on the owners while maintaining the integrity of the dog. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the way that I train. I like that philosophy behind things, right? Again, in Larry's case, he's tr- he's slowly starting to vilify that mentality too much, which is where my problem comes from, mm-hmm. right? So let's continue. Really get it. But I do think one day you're going to say, you know what? You are right. I see now. That's such an asshole thing to say. <laughs> it really is. Nothing about this frustrating me. It's funny. We were watching this in the break room at mm-hmm. work, and I'm like eating my oatmeal for lunch. <laughs> and like, I just like got the live? Yeah. I just got the live pulled up, and he's talking, and I'm just eating my oatmeal. <laughs> and, but, but here's the thing. Real talk for a second here. N- nothing about this frustrated me except that last part. And not because of me, right? It frustrates me when any trainer talks down to somebody. Mm -hmm. right it frustrates me when you deal with a situation where again it's not being critical of somebody is one thing right discussing issues that you have with somebody is one thing yeah right verbatim being like i'm better than you because of this is what kind of frustrates me a little bit yeah because we've worked with hundreds in the past couple of years at these seminars where they're like And by the way, we've had people, including this seminar and the one before and many, that completely break down hysterical crying, men and women, when they see a different way and they're so upset at themselves for doing the things to their dog that that guy, not David, (laughs) I appreciate that as well. (laughs) Now, I could say that. And you could say he's full of shit. I'm not saying he's full of shit about that. Listen, there's there's many ways to cut the cake. We talk about this yeah. a lot, you know? And even if you get into, again, the other extreme of like force-free training, for example, right? There are absolutely some dogs that you can get away with doing that with, right? Yeah. And especially, I can understand how if somebody jumped right into things and had a really firm, heavy-handed approach with a dog, right? And then later on realize they could have got away with using much less pressure with their dog. I can understand why that would be like, this is better. I like this better, right? I do get it, right? Mm. Um, I think the problem is the the situational context of things. Yeah, you know? exactly. And again, 
it doesn't make the other way wrong, in my opinion. You know, our goal yeah. should always be to strive to use as little pressure as we can, but as much as we need to. But if we're using our punishment, we're using our negative reinforcement, we're using our positive reinforcement, et cetera, et cetera, in a proper way, meaning it's abiding by the laws of learning theory, you're going to get the same results. And just because one person chose to go this way and the other person chose to go this way, I still don't see that as incorrect. Yeah. But there's hundreds of witnesses that have been there and witnessed people breaking down over this, right? So you never hear me mention any names and putting people's names in videos and negatives, but there are certain things that I don't tolerate and I don't hide, and that's one of them. So yes, David, I understand why you would think uh, I'm very judgmental, okay? When it comes to the well-being of the animal, I am an absolute one judgmental motherfucker. I don't care about anyone's feelings when it comes to the animal. That comes first. And anybody I work with never has an issue with that. Maybe at first, maybe at first when they don't understand why. Again, this weekend, that... And again, I, I get why. I really do. I understand why he's doing that. And, and I think that that mentality is very noble. You know, mm -hmm. same with the force freak me. I think it's a noble mentality to yeah. always strive to do better on the dogs. Mm -hmm. I really do appreciate that. And in his position, being in a place to kind of hand select and pick a little bit more of like who you're working with and stuff like yeah. that, you absolutely can do that. Mm -hmm. Right. That was not why I thought he was judgmental, though. We talked about why I thought he was judgmental. Yeah. But this is the other thing that we were just kind of talking about. It's like, if you want those dogs to be successful, as you say, like you got to help the owners as much as you do the dog. Yeah. Is, you know, you get into then the, the macro of the conversation here mm -hmm. of is you not working with the owner and the dog if you truly are the best possible chance of helping them? Yeah. Is that really in the best interest of the dog? Or is it not in the best interest of the dog? Or is that in the best interest of yourself? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. You know, again, mm -hmm. like I'm not here to say because I don't think it's wrong that you hand select the clients you're working with. Mm -hmm. But if you truly <laughs> care about the dogs, you will work with anybody and find a way to mot motivate anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Because the macro of the dog staying in that home is what's in the best interest of the dog. Yeah. Witness big time, more than you guys could ever imagine, right? <clears throat> more than you guys ever can imagine. You see the level that I get into it with people. It's important to me, right? So for the person that made that comment, they want a trainer close to them. I already know they don't stand a chance of success. They don't. Everybody wants a trainer that's closer to them. I don't see why that, that that's that bad of a, of a thing. You know? I don't understand either. Listen, if if after you talk to the person, that person was like, nope, I'm not driving further than five minutes. After you've had a conversation with them explaining how you could help them, that's a different story, mm -hmm. right? But you don't know that's the case. You don't know why they want somebody closer to them. We work with so yeah. many families. I, I've had a couple of calls lately of people that just signed up for training and they're like, God, like my husband and I both really want to come to the training, but we have a brand new baby 
We can't find a babysitter ever. You know, we don't have any family yeah. close by to watch them. So we need to like alternate and come to it. But like, we'll still make it work, you know, but it's, it's going to be really hard and stuff like that. Then you tack on, let's say those people live 45 minutes away from us. That yeah. makes it way less realistic. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like mm-hmm. there are variables. There are a lot of understandable variables why somebody would want to try to find somebody close to them. Right. Yeah. And then on top of that, when I talk to new people, I don't have any expectation before I talk to them that they know who I am and that they know that I really am the best possible chance for their dog, right? If you haven't talked to them, you're automatically assuming anybody looking for dog training knows that I'm the best. Yeah. Which I think is also a bad mentality to have with this prior to talking to somebody. Yeah. Once I've educated them on my qualifications and I've educated them on the reason why I'm their best possible chance for these types of things. Again, at that point, if they don't like that, then, you know, that's a different conversation. Yeah. So chance. I think that was pretty they much just, it here. They just don't. And I hate that. Right. If those people would have called me just like Ranger's mom did and said, Larry, we really were hoping to find someone within a half mile of our house, but we're desperate and we'll do whatever it takes. Will you help us? I would have found time. The other situation was these people, and he said this in the post, they did not reach out to him directly. They posted yeah. in like a Nashville forum looking for a dog trainer, right? Mm-hmm. So they may not even know Larry Crone exists, mm-hmm. right? And that this guy that maybe is a little outside of how far they wanted to drive is a really unbelievably competent dog trainer and can help yeah. them. They didn't even know that. How could they have reached out to you and said that? This has been my problem with this conversation, right? And yes, I suck myself into the drama a little bit. And that's why we're making this freaking video right now. (laughs) So whatever. So that was pretty much it. He basically went on for another 30 minutes to just discuss the scenario and and discuss. He kind of all these weird stories and stuff like that. Whatever. It was fine. So, So that was the part directly pertaining to me, right? So fast forward to he had issue with the podcast episode we did about him, right? Episode 36... We had an impromptu little segment where we talked about Larry Crone a little bit. And I even said in the video, like I said, we were going to make it clickbaity, right? We put his name in the title, right? Um, to, 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 To further dig into this here, again, my issues are not with Larry Crone's dog training. Right. I have no. no problem with his dog training. I really like the way he trains. And mm-hmm. I've said that before. Right. Yeah. My problem is with the mentality behind how he's pushing his training. Yeah. So what I want to do is we're going to review this segment. I believe it was like 20 minutes of a uh, podcast before we got into the actual meat and potatoes of the episode, which was reading the art of training your puppy. Um, and I want to see because, again, I don't think that any information was cherry picked in it. I don't think that any of it was incorrect. And again, Mm-mm. I really wanted to have that conversation with Larry Crone before he determined that because I associate myself with Jeff Gelman that I'm not worth his time or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So so we're going to review it here one more time just so everybody could have the context of what he was referring to mm-hmm. throughout this. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. Start off just with a South Park. I know. <laughs> Smash that subscribe button. Oh, my God. Um, okay. Oh, one other thing. I did want to talk about this. So I sent you a text uh, like a week ago of like a video, and I was like, remind me to talk about yes. this. Whatever. Yes, yes, So there's a video I saw the other day that this kind of goes hand in hand with the podcast that okay. we did yesterday about uh, utilizing punishment, yeah. corrections, and stuff like that in order to stop behaviors. Hold on. I got to swipe back through all these yeah. workout posts. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know. Yeah. I was like, oh. There we go. Oh, yeah, the Larry Larry Crone. Yeah. All right. So, listen, I'm not trying to name drop here, but it was Larry Crone. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oops. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm curious if you didn't say that, if I would have said his name or not. Yeah, see? Because I think up until that point, I was being pretty good about, like, not dropping anybody's, like, verbatim yeah. names into things. Because I was trying to kind of be cool about that a little bit. So, actually, this is all my fault. <laughs> so, yeah, Josh started this. We've talked about this before. I'm a big Larry Crone fan. Let's let's just talk about this for a minute, right? Let, okay. Let's see if I can get some clickbait through this because I don't really give a fuck anymore. Let's talk about one more thing too before we dig into this here, right? You said clickbait right there. I did. Yeah, yeah. That's why we put your name in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think that um, you know, when you get into podcasting, right? Podcasting <laughs> is a weird thing because typically speaking, I don't think anybody would be going out making individual posts about all this kind of stuff, right? The weird thing about podcasting and the reason why I wanted to start a podcast in the first place is to get deeper into just like my brain and pull things out that I might be thinking about that otherwise would never think to make a post about. Yeah. This, I think, is a good example of this because when you get into people discussing things they like, things they don't like, stuff like that, sometimes it really is on a whim, right? Like I get inspiration. I text you sometimes just random things I see online where I'm like, oh, I like yeah. that or oh, I don't like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we talk about them, yeah. right? And you know, and this is this is a, a, a weird conversation because some people could say like, oh, well, you're just being a shit talker, right? Like, you know, when we did the videos on like Tom Davis or we did the videos on Zach George and like all those types of things, you know, like there were a decent amount of people that were just like, you know what, like you're just kind of shit talking and I don't really like that, which again, I can understand why you would think that, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, as I'm delving into the world of creating these reaction videos and stuff like that, you know, I think that was my first one that I did, you know? Yes, I do think that I can continue to do a better job of trying to be critical of things without being like an asshole about it, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I can own that all day long and I could say, you know, there are things that I can improve on with those types of things, mm -hmm. right? But I don't want that to be at the expense of me talking about things that I care about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when it comes to the dog world, there are things people are doing in the dog world, again, that I like and that I don't like, and I want to be able to talk about those things. Yeah, for right? sure. I want to make it really clear to everybody that's listening to this right now, none of that is ever with the intent of being like, fuck this person. There's no emotional charge behind any of it. There may be certain parts that I get a little bit more heated about than others, but there's no ill intent towards the person in any of these cases. Any mm -hmm. one of these people I would be happy to have a conversation with. We would have respectful conversations with. That's why I really love that episode we did with Kiba, yeah. uh, Kiba Canines, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because that was a prime example of somebody that had a problem with something I did and we were able to have a really phenomenal conversation about it in yeah, a exactly. non-judgmental, non-heated kind of way, yeah. right? And any of these people, I would be happy to have those types of conversations. Tom Davis reached out to me tomorrow and was like, hey, man, I really don't like the video you did. I'd really like to have a conversation about it. I think we could have a very honest uh, debate oh, yeah. and conversation about those types yeah. of things, right? Et cetera, et cetera, right? So yes, I can continue working on those things, obviously on my end, but just know that none of this is coming from an emotional place. This is the reason why I'm doing a podcast. I yeah. said it very one episode number one, that I wanted to help people navigate the dog training world a little bit. And a part of that comes with talking about what other people are doing. Yeah, exactly. So. Hashtag Larry Crow. I do really like Larry Crone. So Larry Crone, he's a dog trainer down in the Kentucky area. Okay. Um, he uh, owns a company called Pack Masters Dog Training. Right, They've been around for a long time. Very, very <coughs> YouTube popular trainer. That's really where he got a lot of his success from okay. is through YouTube. 
Um, he had a couple of videos really early on, like probably like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, of him working with some aggressive dogs. Very impressive looking videos, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and really blew up over it, right? And he's got a phenomenal following on Facebook. He does lives very frequently where he just kind of okay. talks to people and just yeah. likes engaging with people. Yeah. Um, the, the cool thing about him is he is a uh, retired federal agent, I'm pretty sure. I think he worked for like... Uh, I don't know, some sort of big shot, like uh, like branch of the government, right? Okay. So training dogs has always kind of been a side thing to him, mm. right? Um, so he really only has, like, he does, like, basically only board and train in, like, a handful of one-on-one -on -one sessions. And he does, like, a board and train per round, right? So okay. it's like he just likes to have one dog in the house. Now, let me uh, give a little bit of credit or, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know those numbers for sure, right? I know Larry's doing a lot more seminars now than he used to. I'm sure he's hands-on with more dogs than that at this point, right? Mm -hmm. My point I was trying to make with that is, again, I, I think I did, like, the math at some point in this. Working in a kennel, right, we are working with so many different situations where the 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 lack of amount of dogs that he works with is with, I think I wrote down here, um, do 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 the small amount of dogs that he works with is pretty cool because he has more flexibility to do better work with them and to be able to hand select the clients that he's working with. Mm. He's working with and he has yeah. long programs and um, it's cool because he can put all of his attention on that dog. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, my issues come from, he has been a leader in a push to essentially weed out some of the bullshit in dog training, which is good. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of talk about trying to do things nicer, be less heavy handed on the dogs, mm -hmm. um, you know, talking about how some of these people that are, you know, newer trainers that are just getting into just using e-collars and being very firm with the e-collar and not having mm -hmm. any understanding of markers or rewards or how any of this stuff really works. Yeah. Or getting out there and making a which jumps into, again, a lot of the concerns that I've had with some of what Jeff and Sean had done in the past, because I don't even know if they're doing it anymore or not, right, is that they were bringing up a new era of dog trainers solely around the use of e-collar and solely around the use of getting into this industry very easily. Yeah. A bunch of money, but kind of doing it the wrong way. We've talked about mm -hmm. that before. Right? Yeah. So that's all positive. My issue is he's gotten in the last year or so, probably last two years, I would say, very, very extreme, where he's gone from being this nice middle ground of like, I use e collars, I use rewards, mm -hmm. I use play, yeah. um, you know, blah, 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 blah. I, I believe in correcting the dog, I believe in rewarding the dog, and just doing a good job with training mm -hmm. to because I'm combating this extreme of like shitty e collar training, I have to basically pretend like I'm like borderline a positive only trainer. Right. Oh. <clears throat> so what's happening is because he has such a great following at this point, <clears throat> and because he is um, really starting to sway really far in that direction, mm -hmm. I think he's starting to kill a lot of people's confidence in using the tool correctly and making mm -hmm. them. That is like my biggest point with all of this <clears throat> has been. I care about things in the dog training industry that impact the younger generation of dog trainers, right? We talked yeah. about this with Jeff as far as the hate people get from positive-only trainers and how it impacts them. We talk about this with uh, owners, obviously, and how, you know, with all of this stuff going on between different types of balance trainers, different types of force tree trainers, it makes it very confusing for them to decide who they should ultimately work with. Yeah. And then from a newer training <clears throat> standpoint... I think a lot of this is creating this false narrative that correcting your dog for things and holding them accountable for stuff is 
or you should only ever do it if you've done all of this groundwork beforehand, which I don't think is true. Yeah. as if they're doing something incorrect if they're needing to correct dogs for things and needing to use higher levels on the e-collar and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Okay. I mean, I even saw, like, like for example, the, the other day we got a comment on our YouTube page uh, of uh, working with a Rottweiler, one of the videos you and I had done together, mm-hmm. and the person was just like, what, what, I think I said in the video, you know, this dog is working at like a 30 or something. You know, yeah. and the educator goes from 30 or you know, zero to 100, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, this dog's working at 30. And the person just put this like snide comment of like 30. My dog's working level is like a six or something. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. that's your dog. Mm-hmm. And if that's working, great. But we received almost uh, almost the same kind of comment. Actually, I can pull it up right here. Just a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this person said, I learned the e-collar on my 120-pound Rottweiler only requiring a setting of seven for the dog to feel it and react to. With major distractions during a walk, I will do a setting of 22, uh, and she responds appropriately. I think you should teach the dog at lower levels, and when needed, a higher level will work better. I use the same collar as you. It's like, you know what? Like... (laughs) That's your do- like I just said in this. That's your this dog, is dog. Yeah, you know what I mean. And again, you get back to the conversation of anytime you start discussing this concept of low level training, mm-hmm. you fail to realize that again we're using negative reinforcement or positive punishment, right? Yeah. Meaning, in order for either of those two things to work, the dog has to care about yeah. the sensation. Exactly. And there are so many factors that get into how and when the dog will care about it. Yeah. 30 yeah (laughs) because it's super distracted super tuned out whatever you know like for whatever reason this dog is working at a 30 in this video yeah right and my issue that is that people like larry are pushing this notion that if you're not working in these like neutral low levels of like zero to 15 you're doing something wrong Mm -hmm. right like he's even like in some of his lives i remember watching one one time i was watching one with one of my trainers and uh, Larry said in the video, he's like, the dogs that come through my program never see a level 30 when they come here. <laughs> and that's a verbatim thing that was said in one of the videos. You know what I mean? And again, even though I I know what he's doing, is I know he's correcting dogs. I mean, there's a video of him working with the dog at one of his seminars that was super unbelievably freaking reactive that he lit the dog the fuck up for reacting. Like you could see in the video, the dog reaches, jumps in the air, right? Comes back and he pulled the whole card of this dog's going to get put down if we can't get this under control. This is life and death, blah, 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 right? So he's, again, he's doing those same things. And that was day one of him working with that dog, right? Mm -hmm. Day one of him working with that dog. And that was his first thing that he did with the dog, right? And I'm not vilifying that. I'm not saying that's bad of him to do. Mm -mm. I'm just saying, don't give me shit for doing that. If you're going to do those things also, you can't preach this notion that you shouldn't need to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. if you do all of these steps appropriately or you have to do all these steps appropriately before you do that in order to not harm the relationship with the dog and this and that (laughs) when there are situations you've shown that it is appropriate to do those things in. Yeah. Just a statement like that is yeah. so fucking head ass, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like, yeah. okay, sorry, I did some some name calling of the statement there. 
it's so like it does it it's not accurate. No. Right? Like like you can't say and decide that a level 30 will be, always be way too much for a dog because we know that's not yeah. true, right? Like yeah. I've worked with so many freaking dogs that just don't give a shit. Yeah. Right? And they need higher levels for different things. Mm-hmm. And by saying things like that, you're making people believe and not even trainers anymore, owners, right? Yeah. You're making owners feel like if they go up into those levels, which still 30 is very low, right? We have dogs that work at 100 mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Right? You're making people feel like if they have to go past that level that they're abusing their dog, yeah. right? Or that, and again, that is the way that he's making people feel. It is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I got, you know, to, to, to jump into the thing, right? Like, I had a bunch of trainers reach out to me after this whole live debacle happened. Yeah. Saying similar things, right? Again, people are, people want to have this conversation. And the frustrating thing about this is I would have preferred after that live for him and I to do a conversation about this. Right. I think this would have been a phenomenal conversation. And again, him and I messaged back and forth so many times. Right. Like there was probably a conversation of 20, 25 messages, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was practically begging him to come on. He was just like, no, we would just talk in circles and there's no reason for it. And then what did he say? I stay out of the drama and this and that. It's like, well, like you're making reply. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about it. It doesn't need to be this huge emotional thing. Right. I want to discuss what about what I'm saying he thinks is incorrect and i think that myself as well as a lot of other trainers out there want to feel kind of heard out as far as our opinions on these types of things because again i'm not the only one that's thinking it mm-hmm. their training is bad right mm-hmm. or they're doing something incorrect yep right so he's just made this extreme push with that kind of stuff <clears throat> yeah. and he just furthered it so he's got this new dog right mm-hmm. uh he got a new puppy german shepherd right he's been training he's been making a ton of videos and stuff like that with <clears throat> and um, listen, myself, Larry, any of these no- notable trainers out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I get a puppy, yes, I'm going to be able to manage things and train things and do things in a way where I can avoid a lot of conflict. Yeah. I can do things where, where I teach things in an efficient enough way where the dog really understands mm-hmm. what I'm asking of them yeah. without all of that conflict or corrections and stuff like that. But that's because we're professional dog yeah. trainers. Yeah. It's, you you, you literally, I mean? your We career. do this for a living, yeah. right? I could detach emotionally completely from the situation and yeah. look at it as this is just <clears throat> one of my client's dogs yeah. or something like that, you know? Yeah. So he made this post the other day just saying, hang on, let me pull it back up here. Ooh, ads. Hey. Feeling like Zach George out here. Yeah. Oh, man. Can't even skip this one. No, no. Also, really funny about it, because we've talked about this, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast, and we will get around to this still. Out of everybody we've ever referenced on this podcast and talked about, Zach George gets all of my respect. Mm-hmm. So so for people that don't know, Zach George himself literally watched the podcast episode we did about him and wrote a really funny, really good reply back to it. Didn't take it too seriously, you know, was j- cracking jokes and stuff in it and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and just had a, a nice civil rebuttal to the things that we had to say. And we do need to go in and make a, a response to that, obviously. But that's the way that I would hope people would kind of take this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, is, I don't hate you as a person, no. right? Like, I have no problem with you as a person. I want to discuss my issues that I have with your training, 
right? And I want to feel heard out with those things, and we could then have a conversation about it, you know, so that people can help understand all the sides better, right? Any good conversation, any good debate always starts with somebody that disagrees with something the other is doing. Yeah, and Zach George, especially, like, I feel bad that I called him Steve from Blue's Clues, but... He does um, still kind of look like Steve, though. (laughs) But he, even in his video, he even said, like, we're all trying to do the same thing. You know, he has a much more relaxed feeling on on different ways of training, so... he, he he gets all my respect for it, man. Like yeah, he took that like video a like a champ, right? Yeah. And he had a great reply to it. And listen, I would have loved to have him on the podcast, obviously, but he's on a he's on a different pay grade, I think. I think with those almost four million subs, I don't think he gives a fuck about being on some <laughs> podcast that's got two thousand. <laughs> yeah, I can see. So, you know, whatever. I get it. Dante's first and only correction with an e collar. <laughs> know your dog and prepare them. Shouldn't see anything in the real world you haven't seen in training. Like, yeah. come on. First and only. Yeah. He'll never be corrected again <laughs> after this. No more corrections. Like, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> you can't tell me that that's not a, a, a really uh, lame thing to say. I'm trying terrible. to be nice, right? Yeah. Like, that's a dumb thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's not, come on. You're telling me Dante will never get corrected again. Yeah. We should ask him now. Has you it, ever been corrected again? Yeah. Do you ever get Come corrected? On. Like, it, it just, it really frustrates me. You know what yeah. I mean? Because then you're going to go and you're just going to be like, oh, no, you're taking things out of context, blah, blah. That's the post you made. Yeah. That's verbatim what you said. <laughs> you wrote it. You know what I mean? Like, like what's out of context? What did I cherry pick? I didn't cherry pick anything, right? I'm going off of specific things that you said. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah, it's stupid. just painting such a bad picture. And again, it's not my problem with the training. It's because he is in a position of authority, right? Mm-hmm. It's painting a bad picture for trainers, right? New trainers that don't know any better will look at that and be like, oh my God, well, I corrected my dog once a day or twice a day. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. When they may not be doing anything wrong. It's yeah. just a different philosophy on things. Yeah. But to preach it as it's the only way. Or that I, I call BS on just the post in general, obviously, right? But it's it's painting a bad picture. For dog trainers and for dog owners, right? Yeah. You have a puppy German Shepherd, which from my experience, those are some of the most difficult dogs for people to own, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like those are the dogs that I, the, I would say German Shepherd is like the number two breed we have come in with behavioral problems solely because of the fact that they are such confident, headstrong dogs that they could push back so quickly on owners. They could take advantage of situations yeah. very quickly and stuff like that. And by saying you should never need to correct this dog aside from maybe one time, yeah. that dog is going to rule these owners' lives. And they're going to have issue after issue after issue. And here's the thing that pisses me off about it, right? Mm-hmm. I hear him contradict himself all the time with these other things where people will ask questions in his live about like, well, my dog's digging in the backyard or my dog's doing this. And he'll be like, He'll, he'll like kind of weasel around the question and be like, well, you know, like at some point the dog needs to learn they can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, so you're saying you need to correct the dog. You need to punish yeah. the behavior. Yeah. Using those concepts we talked about with the, the Gary Wilkes mm-hmm. uh, uh, thing that we discussed last time. Yeah. But because he's catering to this agenda of I'm the nice trainer now. Yeah. 
the nice e-collar trainer. Right? Yeah. It's all how it's articulated, right? He's mm-hmm. saying the same things. He's telling people to do the same things, right? Again, I'm not saying he's giving people bad information as far as what they need to do, right? Yeah. I'm saying the way he's verbalizing it to people, right? <clears throat> yeah. The message he's trying to spread through those things, he's being very, very, very ginger about how he's saying you need to correct your dog to make it sound like it's nicer than it is. Yeah. Because he's catering to that, he won't say those things anymore. Yeah. And you know what happens? That hurts dog owners. Mm-hmm. And it hurts new dog trainers that are tr- that are looking up yeah. to you. Yeah. And trying to emulate things. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so it's just, it's 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 a little upsetting because I know that Larry is a really good trainer. You know, mm-hmm. I know, sandwich it up here. I'm not saying the dude's a bad trainer, right? I'm not saying anything bad about him as a person. All I'm saying mm-hmm. is that I have a little bit of an issue with how he's portraying himself. Yep. He knows what he's doing. And yeah. I know he knows how to train a dog really well. <clears throat> yeah. But because he has this, uh, this, this, uh, platform to be on, he's just not taking full advantage of it, I don't think. And I think he's yeah. winding up speaking out against what has helped him and so many owners in the past. Yeah. Well, what? when did he change his tone? What? So then we get into, obviously, when did he change his tone? You know, we discussed, obviously, we think that he changed his tone when, you know, there were some videos coming out, some bad videos and stuff. This goes. Let's just do a Dude, couple more minutes. Like two years I don't want anybody to say just, I'm not just like, playing all of my videos. I, I can video. almost yeah. remember exactly when it was <coughs> that it happened. Um, <clears throat> two things that stick out to me in my head uh, of what it happened. So, one, there was a video that surfaced maybe two and a half years ago, something like that, mm-hmm. and it was from a. I could be mistaken about this, so like I don't want to hold it against this company, but I think it was like an off-leash canine branch, which is mm-hmm. a franchise dog training kind of center mm-hmm. that was somewhere around the country and it was basically this guy that was training a doberman and he had it looked like like a wiffle bat or something like that in his uh, hand okay you know yeah and he was trying to get the dog to down <clears throat> he's just yelling at the dog and he's like intimidating the dog with the bat and like doing all this kind of stuff oh, Jesus. and the dog's looking like terrified it's just like yeah. it was a mess right the video yeah. was horrible right so that video came out and then at some point very shortly either before or after Something happened involving Jeff Gelman and Sean O'Shea uh, in their T3 seminar series that they were teaching, mm-hmm. um, where it kind of exposed them being very heavy-handed on dogs as well and stuff. And mm-hmm. We've talked about that before. Like I like Sean and Jeff um, and their concepts and stuff, but I think they're training not necessarily. And and if this is really what he means about he said he was a fan, listen to what I said here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. I don't know what Jeff's, but Sean's could use a little bit of work as far as he's too dependent on the e-collar. So that video came out, and then at some point very shortly, either before or after, something happened involving Jeff Gelman and Sean O'Shea uh, in their T3 seminar series that they were teaching, mm-hmm. um, where it kind of exposed them being very heavy-handed on dogs as well and stuff. And mm-hmm. We've talked about that before. Like I like Sean and Jeff um, and their concepts and stuff, but I think they're training not necessarily Jeff's, but Sean's could use a little bit of work as far as he's too dependent on the e-collar. Yeah. He is kind of the guy that like okay. Larry is kind of speaking out against most of the time. Gotcha. You know? <clears throat> Man, this is like a soap opera episode. Yeah. <laughs> dog <training> soap. <laughs> Listen, I- I'm telling you, there's so much drama in the dog world that we could do episodes and episodes and episodes just <laughs> talking about the oh, drama yeah. in the yeah. freaking dog trading world. Oh. 
That's why we're here, guys. This is Soap Opera Episode Part 2. Now, listen, did that really sound like somebody that was like a Jeff Gelman fanboy? Like, I don't think so. You know, like, I think that, again, I like things about some people and I don't like things about other people. So let's not maybe say that, like, I'm the greatest Jeff Gelman fan that's ever fucking existed. And that, like, because of that, like, my whole training program is just built around Jeff Gelman. Yeah, for sure. So whatever. So, (laughs) you know, a video like that happened and they were very close together. And Larry basically, like, went on Facebook, made a really long video where he's just like, all of these people have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Wow. You know? Okay. Like, these people are idiots. These people are fucking idiots. You guys are all trusting them with your dogs, right? You guys are all trusting them to help you build your dog training business, yet they have no idea what they're doing as far as training dogs, right? It was kind of his uh, stance, and he became very public about it. He started boom, like going after Sean and Jeff. He started going after all mm. these other guys, right? Like online. Big PR move. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, in his fairness, like the... I don't disagree with what he did. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. The vid, not, not necessarily the Sean and Jeff one, but the vid, mm. the other videos yeah. and stuff that were surfacing, they were really bad. Yeah, that right? was super bad. And it was yeah. something where trainers should have been speaking out and saying, yo, this is some fucked up shit. Yeah. You know, like you can't be doing this. Yeah. Um. So whatever, that happened, and it was like from that day forward, mm. he was like the vigilante of the dog training world, gotcha. more or less. You know? gotcha. Batman. Yeah. He just seems like he's got a Larry Croner, are you Batman? <laughs> extreme. He just got the too extreme with it. You yeah. Know? And, 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 the, the only, and the other part of it that kind of upsets me a little bit is he's not really in the trenches anymore with it. Yeah. You know, like he trains like probably collectively like, 40 dogs a year. Yeah. You know, like gotcha. if that. And again, listen, I, I'll take the credit. I'm like, I don't know what those numbers actually are, obviously. I know through his seminars, he's working with a lot more now. At the time of filming this video, we were in COVID. There was no seminars going on. He probably was not training that many dogs that year. Right? Yeah. We're like, we're seeing, I mean, you figure what, four, let's see. <clears throat> this is just freaking boarding trains. I mean, we're we're just doing probably like uh, like almost two hundred board and trains a year. Yeah, you that's know? all your one on one. Yeah, and that's not including one on one packages and stuff like that. Like we're probably training, you know, like five hundred dogs a year or something yeah. like that. So we're just seeing a lot more. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and we're seeing so many more variables, and we're seeing so many more situations. We're seeing so many <coughs> different skill levels of yeah. owners and trainers and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that really is the key with this again cherry picking clients right or hand selecting what the best clients are going to be for him which there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. we're trying to work with everybody yeah you know so our programs need to cater towards working with everybody yeah where you know you really have to and this is this is this is good for him right you really have to be a really really good trainer in order to get away with doing some of the things that he's doing yeah right yeah which again we can do right like i can do that with a dog my my owners can't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not realistic to expect them to become that. Yeah. To I, I have just, a well-trained dog. Yeah, I don't know why you you would narrow your point of view so much, you know. <clears throat> and especially like you said, not even just owners, but yeah. their dogs are all different. Yep. Like, you know, the whole level thing that we were just talking about. Their lifestyles are different. Yeah. What they need out of a dog is different. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you think that client I was telling you about out in uh, Hunting Valley, do you think that they want to become a dog trainer for no. this dog? No. No. Now, because they don't want to be a dog trainer, should they be uh, stripped away of that uh, ability to, to own a well-behaved mm-hmm. dog? No. No. Right? 
this is where you get back to the conversation then of you need to balance it, right? Yeah. You can't, can't get too extreme in the I'm a dog trainer and being the nicest person ever way. You mm-hmm. also can't get too extreme with the, like, I only use the force of God in order to stop behaviors and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Right? <clears throat> but you need to adjust that program on that spectrum based mm-hmm. on what that owner needs. And I'm okay with saying I'm going to do things somewhere in the middle as opposed yeah. to just being super nice or just be, well, being super mean because in the end of the day, I understand there's still dogs. Do you mean you're you're training in a balance? <laughs> a balanced trainer? Balance. That's like, <laughs> like you, you said, you, you know, it's just a hundred percent. Like you need the balance of both worlds. You yes. know, you know, people get dogs for different reasons. And yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you know, if I get, we get some owners that come in. They're the most gung-ho fucking, like, I want to do everything with my yeah. dog, and I want to come to classes every week <laughs> and do this and do that. Yeah. Show me how to do the food training and this and that. I'm like, hell, yeah. We're going to tip that needle as far this way as we can, right? Because yeah. you're motivated enough to do it, yep. and you're going to reap the results because of it. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, some people that come in, and they're just like, oh, my God, like, I'm a freaking nurse that works night shift all the time. I got four kids. My husband doesn't want anything yeah. to do with the fucking dog. And I'm stuck just trying to like gain control of this situation because the dog's trying to bite my kid and he's running out of the house and he pulls me over on a leash and I'm yep. dislocating my shoulder and blah, blah. Yeah. And we're like, listen, you know, let's just do whatever we need to do to just help you. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Because in the end of the day, if I'm helping you, right, you are going to enjoy your dog more. Mm-hmm. which will cause you to ultimately do more fun things with your dog, which yeah. will cause them to have a better quality of life, mm-hmm. which will give 10x the reinforcement and the reward to the dog mm-hmm. than me doing my training. Just super, super nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, my one thing, so like, you know, the, the little caption. Yeah, look at that above angle video. we got there. The la- that, that last sentence. <laughs> that like, shouldn't see anything <laughs> in the real world oh, yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah. seen in training. Are you kidding me? Hit me with that, Josh. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Like, <laughs> how can you how can you even say that as a well renowned trainer as you are? You know that's not true. Like, you can't. <laughs> what do you? Does he have wild squirrels that he has in his, <laughs> throws in his, in his training? Like, you know, that's <laughs> you can't you can't get that just in your training. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Wild squirrels. Yeah, he just, <laughs> he like just got a, a big old pen of them just lift the yeah. gate. <laughs> <laughs> we should be way more popular. Jesus Christ. That, or <laughs> I, I do. I'll listen back to the podcast yeah. sometimes and I'm just like, damn. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you just have like your friends? I mean, I guess you could have your friends' dogs come over or whatever, but like, yeah. you know, it's not. Th- there are a lot of pictures you could train for, right? Yeah. And again, our job as professional trainers is to be able to train for as many pictures as we can. Yeah. Right. Yes. I should spend a decent amount of my dog's training program, generalizing, proofing, yeah. showing different pictures, working in different environments, yeah. doing that to, to work through as many of those pictures as possible. But listen, the real world has variables and you 100% of yeah. the time will see things that are out of your control. Exactly. And that's the whole reason why we talk about why we need to use balanced training in the first place. Because everybody likes to argue the, the contrary, right? Mm-hmm. Get ready for this one. Okay. This oh, one this numerous. is the hyena thing. <laughs> <coughs> well. Oh. 
if <laughs> zoo trainers can get a hyena to wait for a bloody piece of steak then without using correction collars, then you can get... Uh, triple clarify here. We're kind of going off on a tangent right now. Yeah. <laughs> this this part right here is not really related to Larry Crone. This now yeah. is just getting into the concept of why we use balance training as a whole, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> first off, so that was like 15 minutes, guys. Yeah. This was not a whole pod. This, no. this episode was an hour and seven minutes long. A very, very small percentage of this podcast was talking yeah. about Larry Crone. All this was intended to do, this podcast is an hour and 15 minutes dedicated to talking about Larry Crone. Yeah. But the only reason for that is because now I got sucked further into the drama yeah. and he didn't want to have a conversation about yeah. it. Right? So now I need to respond to the things he said because, again, whatever, you know, like we could talk about it all day long, but if you're going to make a big video, you know, and, and be name dropping me and like talking about stuff like yeah. that in it and stuff like that, you know, you should be prepared to have a conversation about it, right? Yeah. Even after making this, I remember when I made it, I was like, oh, well, if Larry reaches out to me about this, I would have a conversation with him about it, right? Because again, yeah. I ain't got no problem with the guy aside no. from the problems that I brought up in this, right? Which yeah. really aren't that big of a deal, frankly. So yeah. whatever. So, so that in a nutshell is the drama we've been sucked into. That's kind of in a nutshell where we're at with things right now. Mm. I wanted to watch that video and talk about, obviously, the first one, the one he made, talk about some of the points that he made, rebuttal those a little bit, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to give context to what I posted. I actually posted this podcast video in the comment section of the things that when him and I were going back and forth for a little bit, and then he deleted it. DM me, he's like, don't promote your stuff on my page. I was like, well, like, you're talking about me. I want people to know what you're talking about. Yeah. So they could realize it wasn't like, I feel like the way he said it was like, I made this huge post just fucking shitting on him, right? Or this huge podcast yeah. just shitting on him, which was not the case at all. I have a lot of respect for Larry, right? I've got more respect for Larry than I do some of the other people that we've talked about on this podcast, which is why we never did like a full episode on him or anything like that. Yeah. You you know, I've got nothing to look at as far as his training and be like, no, this is shitty. This is shitty because it's not. It's good training. Yeah. Right? The stuff he posts is good training. Mm -hmm. Right. Whether I do it exactly like he does or not. Mm -hmm. Right. My problem is with some of the concepts he's discussing. Right. Mm -hmm. Or the over overlying um, um, theme behind the way he's kind of promoting his training. Yeah. Right. So so that's it. Um, I don't know if uh, Larry will hear this or not. You know, I'll probably send it to him once we finish it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and see what he's got to say. And listen, I would love to still have a conversation about this. I think yeah. we could have a very productive dialogue about this this topic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. And I, I truly don't think it's arrogant of me to say that I think a lot of people in the dog world would love to hear that dialogue because I'm not the only one that feels this way. Yeah. Right. Again, I've got colleagues of mine that I speak with that we've discussed this before, you know, yeah. as far as is, is, you know, why, why is he doing things like this? Why does it seem like he's doing it this way? Because again, because we haven't had the conversation, if I am misrepresenting something, which I don't really think I am, mm -hmm. we could discuss that also. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he could help to clarify to myself and anybody else that's feeling that way why that's not his intention with what he's doing because I don't think it's a conscious thing where he's like, you know what, I need to, you know, act like I'm so nice and this and that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I, I just think it could be a great conversation. So I really hope yeah, that same. he listens to this and I really hope that we can have a conversation about it at some point. I mess when I was messaging him, I'd be happy to compensate him for his time, mm -hmm. whatever his hourly rate is for it, and we could have a good chat about it. So yeah. I don't know. Hope you guys enjoy this. I just wanted to make a little reply to that. 
um, just let the people know what's been going on. Because I had I had a bunch of people text me after all that happened. They were yeah. like, bro, what the fuck is going on? I hear your name popping up and I see you commenting on his shit and stuff. Yeah. And I wanted to provide a little insight to things. Yeah. All I can say is, hey, Larry, if you got here, like, I mean, we, you can look at the other conversations we've had with other people and we, <laughs> we, we don't shit talk anybody. We come here and we want to have those good discussions. Like, yeah. we want those differences in opinions Mm-hmm. So people can hear it, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, a lot of people want to have that conversation with him. Yeah. And I think this would be a great platform for that. I think what was one of the things that I sent him? Pull this up real quick here. <clears throat> yeah. So, so, um, I messaged him. One of the things I said in the conversation, I was like, you know, I quoted, you're a Gelman fan, so that tells me all I need to know about you. And I said, I may not have been in this game as long as you have, but after almost 10 years, I'm not a fan of anybody. I could res- I could have respect for things that dog trainers from any walk of life have brought to the table while disagreeing with other things, and I enjoy conversations with other dog trainers who I agree with things and disagree with things. I've also publicly talked about on my podcast and other forums the things that I absolutely disagree with with Jeff and Sean and others in that specific camp of training, but I could still have a respect respectful conversation with the guy. I'm just curious why you're so offended by the comment I made. I'm not the only one who thought that clearly by the amount of people who liked it. I also am curious what you thought was rude about the podcast I made. It paid good respect to you as a trainer while explaining some things that I disagree with you have said or done. What is so awful about any of the above and why can't we just discuss it? And he said, we could discuss it over the phone, but no reason to do a podcast on it. To which I told him, your stipulation is no recording of the conversation to use for the podcast. I said, I don't per se see the point in that, but if that's the stipulation, I would be happy to oblige. Um, This is literally not intended to paint you in a bad light. If anything uh, of what I said, if anything of what I said was incorrect as you think, it would paint me bad. And then you just said, I would never do that, David. Like trying to be like, I would never paint you in a bad light, which I don't think he would, obviously. And then I said one more reply, and this is when he just stopped replying to me. I said... I don't think you would at all. What I'm saying is, uh, what I'm saying is, if I misrepresented you, a conversation about it, if anything, would do nothing but help people understand your side better and make me look bad. If anything, if we would talk on the phone, why not just have a good conversation about the issues at hand for people to listen to to better understand it all? A lot of trainers would get a great deal out of it because there are a lot of people that have issue with some of the stuff said on both sides and would love to feel heard out in an open discussion about it. I'm not sure if you fully listened to the podcast I said about or podcast, but I do have a ton of respect for you in the training you do. I said that, but I think there are some key points you've made a lot that are further separating the dog world. It's noble the cause you're doing, and as I said, it's similar to the force-free world and the push that the non-asshole ones at least are making, but there's no dialogue between the sides to help not get too far apart, and we wind up just vilifying each other. We all want to do better for dogs, regardless of your style or camp of dog training, so conversation about how all parties can do better is important. That doesn't happen if we stay in our lane. I thought that was pretty good. I don't know. I thought that was like, listen, I just want to have a conversation about it. Yeah. And that's when the conversation ended. So we'll see. I would like to have a conversation about it. We're going to end that on that. Hopefully this clarifies any questions anybody's had on the tea. And uh, this has been your episode of the the bold and the beautiful. Yeah. Episode 69. Episode 69. Josh, you got anything else to say? Nope. I'm good. 
All right, guys. We'll see you guys on the next one. Ooh, big guest next time. Oh, yeah, that's big right. Big guest. We'll fill you guys in on that later. Let's go.